Worry and Anxiety, in the sermon series, Sermon on the Mount, spoken by Pastor Clayton Chan. So good to be with you in person, worshiping together. Uh, and for those of you guys who are watching online, just welcome. Uh, we want to just welcome you even wherever you are um, watching online. But it's just so good to be here. I know that we've been meeting in person for the last couple of months, but I don't know. For me, it just feels so fresh and new every single time because it's only been for two months. Um, But I'm just really glad that you guys are here and I get to worship with you. Uh, If you could just bow your heads with me, I'm going to start off uh, with a prayer. God, you are the great I am. From the beginning to the end of time, God, you remain consistent, you remain constant, you are unchanging. And we know that you are a God who provides for our needs. We know that you are not just creator in our lives, but you are the sustainer of our lives. And so for many of us, God, we come here with so many fears and worries, but we just ask that you would take them away. We pray, Father, that as we look into your word this morning, you would just give us encouragement and confidence to face every situation, knowing, Father, that we have a God who has our back. And so I just pray, Father, this morning you would just open up our ears and our eyes to be able to experience your power, your authority, your grace, and your faithfulness in our lives. I just pray, Father, that your spirit would be here and that we would truly, Father, experience a holy moment with you. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So it's been a while since I've been up here to preach. And one of the reasons for that is because my wife and I, Esther, we had a baby. So thank you, Pastor Peter, for this much-needed break. Right. My wife, Esther, and I, we are parents to two amazing, wonderful boys, Wyatt and Weston. And I think we have a couple of pictures of them. So there is my oldest. He's a toddler, Weston, holding our baby, Wyatt. And so the last four months have been wild, right? It's been wild with two little ones. And on top of that, we decided for some odd reason that we would potty train our toddler, Weston. And so as you can imagine, it's been quite the adventure, right? Pee everywhere for both their kids, right? Diapers and on the floor. And it's been such a hard time for us, right? People told us that the transition from going from one child to two would be really hard. And it has been. It's been really hard on us. Not only do we have twice the amount of work, but we also have twice the worries, Right? No one gets a break. With one child, one parent gets a break sometimes. With two, nobody gets a break. And I'm not the type that worries too much. And I wouldn't say that I worry more now, but I have more to worry about. I worry about both of my kids for very different reasons. With Wyatt, because he's a baby, I'm a lot more cautious about his well-being. Right? Wyatt is such a good sleeper. He's so quiet that I would worry whether he's still breathing or not. And so I would sneak into his room, put my finger under his nose just to make sure that he was okay. With Weston, because he's a little older and because he's a toddler, he actually is really clumsy. He falls all the time. He's like falling and running around and climbing on things and bumping his head. But I don't worry about him because he's really tough. He'll just take the bumps and the bruises and he just keeps on trucking. What I worry about when it comes to my oldest, Weston, is that his friendliness will get him in trouble. He has no concept of stranger danger. Right? Just last week, we were at the mall, and I found my son running around interacting with mannequins. Right? He would go to the mannequin, he would wave, say hi, and then he would hug them. 
And from one mannequin to the next, he would just run around the store. I saw the workers just laughing at him. And so my word to you is be careful what you pray for. Because when he, when uh, Esther and I, uh, when Esther was pregnant with Weston, we actually prayed that he would be funny. Someone that we would laugh with and even laugh at sometimes. And that's exactly who he is. Right? This is my worry for him. Most of my worries and concerns are like this. Things that don't really change the way I live or they don't really impact my life. But every once in a while, I'm faced with a situation where it disturbs my way of life. I'm gripped with fear and anxiety to the point that it saps my joy away. A couple of months ago, I found myself in one of these situations. A week before I was vaccinated, I found out that I had a possible exposure to somebody who contracted COVID. And so when I found out, my mind started racing. And I was like, you know what? I probably don't have it, but I was in the same area as this person. I spoke to them briefly. But in my mind, I was like, you know what? I probably don't have it, so I'll probably be okay. But, so even though I don't worry too much, I am married to a major worrier. And so when I got home and I told Esther, she started freaking out, right? Her mind went to the worst case scenario. In her mind, I had COVID and I was going to give it to our children. And so we took every precaution. We said, you know what? I'll mask up. I'll wear a mask in the house and I'll just isolate myself. And so those couple of days of isolating myself were really hard. Because I was confined to a room without any contact from my family. But it was even more difficult for Esther. Because for two days, she had to watch our newborn and our toddler by herself. It was so hard that after the second day, she comes up the stairs holding Wyatt. And she goes, "Hun, I can't do this. You got to come downstairs and help me. I'd rather get COVID than be alone. (laughs) Have you ever, can you relate to what Esther and I went through? Have you ever been in a place where you're so stricken with fear that it caused you to take extreme measures? In the end, it turned out to be okay. I was COVID-free. It was two days of suffering, but not because of COVID, but it's because we were so scared of contracting this virus. We didn't need to suffer, but we did so because we became a slave to our worries and fears. It's okay to worry, and it's even natural to feel anxious at times, but God never wants us to worry. He does not want us to be controlled by our fears. In fact, he wants us to live in freedom. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to live in freedom rather than to live in fear, answering the question, how do we overcome our worries? How do we overcome our worries? So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. 
If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is a continuation of what Pastor IJ preached about last week. And we know this because of how verse 25 starts. It says, therefore. This word indicates that what he is about to say is in response to what he has already spoken. Last week, Pastor IJ gave a powerful word about Jesus being the master of our lives and how we are to seek and to live our lives for treasures in heaven rather than seeking treasures here on earth. As Pastor IJ taught, Jesus says that we are to invest in the things of God, things that do not perish or rot, things that glorify him. But that doesn't speak to the situation that we find ourselves in today. We have two realities. One, we are created for heaven and to be with God in eternity. And the second, we live on earth right now. So the question we might ask is, God, What about my needs here on earth? What about my needs here on earth? And so Jesus addresses this issue in this passage. He says in verse 24, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? His answer is do not worry. Do not worry about your needs because I got you. In this passage, Jesus gives the command, do not worry three times. And we know if the Bible repeats something over and over again, it's important. But this is where we need to be careful not to read too much into the text. It would be easy to read this single text and think that there is something wrong with worrying. This is not a question about right or wrong. Jesus isn't saying that worrying is a sin. It's part of our human nature. We all worry at certain times in our lives, but that doesn't mean that God wants us to worry. When it comes to worrying, Jesus is making the distinction that it's not about should or shouldn't. It's just that we have no reason to worry. We have no reason to worry. And to make this point, Jesus uses two illustrations, one of birds and the other of flowers. Both are used to express God as the provider and sustainer of life. Birds do not sow, reap, or store away in barns for their food. When was the last time you saw a bird farm or till the land? When was the last time you saw a flower sow or weave? Never. And yet both the birds and flowers are provided for. Both illustrations point to Jesus and God as the provider, but Jesus is making another point here. Both birds and flowers are God's creation, but neither of them are God's most cherished and valuable creation. In verse 26, Jesus says, are you not much more valuable than they? We are far more valuable than any of God's creation. 
Out of all of God's creation, we are the only ones created in his image. We were given dominion over all the earth and all of God's creation. And yet we forget our worth and value. We have no reason to worry if we understood how valuable we are in God's eyes. If you have any doubt about your worth, just look at the cross. If you ever question how much God loves you, just look at the cross. It's at the cross that we see the beauty and magnitude of God's love displayed. The beauty of the gospel is that while we're still sinners, God gave up his son's life for us. He has deemed us worthy. God loves you and me, and it's from this place that we can be confident that God will provide for our every need. If God gave up his son, Jesus, for you, what would he ever withhold from you? But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus hits us from another angle. Maybe you're not the sentimental or emotional type, and hearing that God loves you did not move your heart. Well, then, here is a practical answer for you. He goes on saying in verse 27, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It's a rhetorical question because the obvious answer is no. Worrying is pointless. Worrying does not add anything to your life. It only takes away. It saps you of your joy. It distracts you from what really matters. You gain nothing from worrying. In fact, it has the opposite effect. It does not add a single hour to your life. But many studies say that when you stress and feel anxiety or experience anxiety, it actually lowers life expectancy. This is why it's so important for us to deal with our worries and fears. And in order to deal with our worries and fears, we have to find the root cause of them. There are many factors that cause us to experience more anxiety. Some of it is personality. If you find yourself to be a pessimist, you usually look at the glass half empty. Your mind usually thinks worst case scenario and you're thinking about the negatives in the situation. But if you're optimist, it doesn't mean that you don't worry. It's just you're better able to navigate through the stress of the situation. You usually look at the good, the positives, rather than the negatives. We also worry when we face uncertainty. There's something about the unknown that we fear. We just want to know what the future holds. Many of us struggle with change and transition because there is a fear or discomfort in not knowing how things will turn out. This is why we choose continuity and and. This is why we choose continuity and comfort rather than we risk change. Control is another determining factor. We want to control our environment. We want to control the outcome of our situations. And this is why we, when we feel really stressed out, we turn to things that we have certain levels of control over. Some of you love cleaning when you're stressed out because you have control over how messy or how clean your house is. Right? Others of you may turn to working out because there's some level of control of how fit you are. You put in the work and then you see the results. There are many things that factor into our anxiety level. But all of these things do not deal with the root cause. It's true. Personality, uncertainty, and even control or lack of control add to our anxiety. But the real reason why we worry so much is because we don't trust God wholeheartedly. We don't trust God wholeheartedly. In verse 30, he says, 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Our worrying ultimately is due to a lack of faith. Jesus doesn't say that you have no faith. He says you have a lack of faith. It's not that we don't trust God at all. We just don't trust God completely. I find it interesting that we have an easier time trusting in God when it comes to our salvation than we do in God meeting our needs here on earth. What's harder to do? To save people from their sins or to give food to eat and clothes to wear? We trust that what Jesus has done on the cross and paid the price for our sin and given us a place in heaven, but we have less conviction about God being enough for us here on earth. We don't trust him completely. And I believe the issue lies in two areas. Either we struggle and don't trust in God's goodness, or we don't trust in his power. We either don't trust in his goodness, or we don't trust in his power. Have you, ha- have you ever had a prayer go unanswered? Maybe you asked God to change your situation or to provide for you in some way, but he did not give you what you asked or wanted. You may have interpreted that as God doesn't care enough about me to give me what I asked for. Or it could be God wasn't strong enough or powerful enough to accomplish what I had asked. But the truth is, God always gives us an answer. His answer is always either a yes, no, or not yet. And we can be confident that the reason that we can be confident that he has a reason for answering the way that he does. He has proven his goodness and power on the cross. He will and is able to do all things, especially what is best for us, even if it doesn't look like it at that moment. This is where we need to trust that God has a better understanding and perspective over the whole situation. Trusting in God does not mean that you have no worries. I believe that trust and worrying are not mutually exclusive. You can both trust God and still worry, but when God is greater than your worries, you can move forward in faith. This is what it means to have faith. Faith is your willingness to trust God despite your fears and worries. Remember when the Israelites had to go through the Red Sea? God didn't immediately part it for them. The Israelites had to go neck deep into the waters before the waters parted. They went deep into the waters not knowing if God was going to do it or not. But they trusted that he would. Faith is about going neck deep and trusting God to come through for us. It's this type of faith that leads us to experiencing peace. Peace is not the absence of anxiety. It is the overcoming of anxiety and fears. In Philippians 4, 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. By handing over to God the things that make us anxious, we can experience peace. The hope isn't that we would be free of worry, because on this side of eternity, I don't think that will ever happen. 
But the hope is that we won't be overcome by our worries. When God is greater than the things that we fear, then we can face every situation head on. We can trust that God will provide for us exactly what we need at exactly the right time. Trust is the key to overcoming our worries. And so how do we trust in God? How do we trust in God? First, we overcome our worries by trusting in God when we focus on the kingdom of God. When we focus on the kingdom of God. Jesus says in verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We need to shift our focus onto the kingdom of God. The word first here does not denote first in time, but of first importance. Life is more than food, clothes, and water. Life is more than just providing for our bodies. Our purpose isn't just to exist. If we become so focused on our life here on earth, we forget that we were created for heaven. God has given us a purpose, and that purpose is to be kingdom builders. We are to glorify God and make his name known. We were created for this. Your career is not your purpose. Making a lot of money is not your purpose. Your purpose is to advance God's kingdom wherever you are and with whatever resources you have. So can I encourage you today to be a kingdom builder? Be a kingdom builder in your home, in your workplaces, and here at your church. We are in need of volunteers to serve in the church. As we get back together for in-person services, we have so many needs. And if we don't get enough people stepping up, Metro as we knew it won't be able to start up again. Right now, our student ministries may not be able to start again if we don't get enough volunteers. So church, let's do our part in fulfilling the purpose that God has given us to advance his kingdom. Find a ministry to serve in today. If you really want to overcome your worries, start with being a kingdom builder. Because what you will gain is understanding, a greater understanding of what matters in life. We become more concerned with God's will rather than our own will. When the kingdom of God becomes the priority and of first importance, then the things that we once worried about will no longer have the same pull on us. Nothing can compare to the joy of being used by God to build his kingdom. And I'm not talking about the work of a pastor. I'm talking about the work that all of us, that I'm talking about the work that we are all called to do as his disciples. We are his disciples. He's given us a purpose. I've found, I've been on so many retreats over the years. Uh, I've been part of retreats where I attended or I've led or I've just been a teacher. And out of all the retreats, I will always remember my first retreat as a pastor. And I'm not saying it was more special than others. I'm not saying that God did something more amazing than any other retreat. But the reason why it will always stand out to me is because it was one of the first times where I realized what a privilege it is to be used by God. And the way that happened was through the life of a girl in the youth group, an eighth grader. And so this eighth grader, she came from a troubled family. Um, she was really kind and had a really good heart, but she just seemed to make the wrong choices all the time. And so prior to this retreat, a week prior to this retreat, she actually got caught shoplifting. And so the sinner in me was thinking, you know what, 
I don't know how much to expect God to do in her life, right? There's this retreat coming, but I just don't know what God's going to do in her life because she's just messed up in so many different ways. But it's through that retreat where this girl accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. It's this retreat where she gave her life up to Christ. And it was at the end of the retreat, at the time where we would have testimonies, where she was testifying to what God did in her life that weekend. And so I remember going back to seminary. I was driving back to seminary. It was my first year there. And I just started praying. I was like, God, if I get to experience more of this, if I get to witness what you are doing in people's lives, then I'm okay with being single forever. Right? And at that time, my greatest desire was to find someone, to get married, to start a family. But having experienced the beauty of God and what he was doing in this girl, that didn't seem to be so important anymore. Right? Thankfully, God did not hold me to my word. Right? I admire and adore and love my beautiful wife and kids. But I understood that the thing that I valued most, the thing that I thought I needed, pales into comparison to the infinite worth and beauty of God and his purposes. Focusing on the kingdom of God reveals to us what really matters. We are to focus on the greater things, leaving God to handle the lesser things. We are told that if we are to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, then all these other things will be given to us as well. And I'm not trying to minimize your needs and worries. I'm not saying that they don't matter, but in the larger picture and with hindsight, the things that we thought mattered, the things that we value, the things that we thought we needed lose some of their significance. The best example of this that I can give is the pressure and stress that high schoolers go through when it comes to the SATs and choosing the right college. Right? We put so much pressure on ourselves to perform on the SATs and to choose the right college, thinking that it will lead the rest of our lives. But if we actually think back, how much, how much of an impact did those things have on our lives? Right? When I think about my life, my SAT score does not have any impact in who I am or where I am today. The college that I went to, nobody even knows where I went to, right? I'm not here at Metro because of the college I went to. These are things that we've stressed over so much at that time, but later on had no significance. And in the same way, so much of our worries, so many things that we, we worry about and think that we need don't have an impact or significance later on. When we put our trust in God by focusing on his kingdom, we gain the perspective to place our needs in the proper place. We focus on what matters, leaving God to handle the rest. The way that we trust in God and overcome our worries is to focus on his kingdom. And the second way is to submit to God as king. We overcome our worries by trusting in God when we submit to him as king. The directive to seek God's kingdom and righteousness points to our need to place God and his priorities first, but it also is a call to surrender to him as king. Jesus uses kingdom language here. If there is a kingdom that we are to seek first, then there is a king who we are to yield to completely. If Jesus is the king, then we live in a monarchy, not a democracy. Within this monarchy, we are God's servants. Our role is to obey. 
But unlike other monarchies that we have come to know, Jesus as a king always does what's best for his people. And that's why we can submit. Jesus is the perfect king. It seems counterintuitive that submission would lead to overcoming our worries because it would require us to give up control and to give up power. But that is exactly what we need to do to be able to experience God's peace. In submission, we give up control, allowing God to be in control over the situation. But this doesn't mean that we do nothing or that we become lazy. We do all that we can do, leaving the rest to God to do what only he can do. Submission is the active participation in what God is doing in the world, but leaving the results up to him. Right? Let me say that again. Submission is the active participation in what God is doing in the world, but leaving the results up to him. To take Jesus' earlier example, birds may not sow, reap, or store away in barns, but they do take it upon themselves to go search for food. They fly in the air, they poke at the ground, they look for grub and worms, but at the end of the day, there is no guarantee that they'll find any. It's only by God's provision that the birds are taken care of. In the same way, we have to do all that we can to provide for our needs to the best of our abilities, but in the end, leave the results up to God. If you are single and worried about finding a spouse, can you submit your need and desire to get married up to God by putting yourself out there, going out on dates, and leaving the results up to him? Can you trust in his timing and his will in this area of your life? Right? I was Esther, my wife's first relationship, and she swore that she would never marry a pastor. But look at us now. God can do anything. God can do the impossible. She trusted in God's timing and in his will in this area of her life. If you have a loved one who is sick today, can you submit to God by praying for that person and getting them the medical attention that they need, believing the results up to him? Can you trust in him no matter what happens and know that God is in control and is walking in, in this person's presence through this difficult time? COVID is scary. I've told you how much fear brought into my wife, into my life, and in, in my relationship with my wife. It's taken so much from so many of us. Many of us have lost loved ones from it. Many of us have deep fears about it. It's taken certain freedoms away where we have to isolate ourselves instead of being with community. But can we submit our fear of COVID to God? Can you take every precaution to be careful and to wear a mask and to get vaccinated, but ultimately trust that God will keep you healthy? And as you submit your worries and needs to God, don't always expect God to give you what you want. Part of submission is yielding to his will and trusting that what he has in store for you is best. God does not give us what we want, but he gives us what we need. That is the promise that he makes to you and me today. Can we trust God by submitting to him as king? And the third way that we overcome our worries by trusting in God is to live in the present. To live in the present. 
In verse 34, Jesus says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its own trouble. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Something that I tell my wife all the time is don't worry until you have to worry. The point that I'm making is there's no reason that we should worry about something that hasn't happened. We're just causing ourselves more stress. In the same way, Jesus is telling us to live in the present because there's no reason to worry about the future. Each day has its own worries and problems. And by living in the present, you can face each situation as it comes, not focusing on the things that may never come. We rarely are anxious for today. We don't wake up fearful about the things that we have to do or accomplish. I think most, day, most of us, I think most days we feel invigorated about what the day has in store. But when we think about the future, that's when fear comes in. By living in the present, trusting in God to take care of our needs, we can defeat anxiety and live fearless because each day we see God being faithful. Each day we see his grace in our lives. By living each day in the present, we are reminded that God provides, which gives us confidence to trust in him for the next day. This is not a new concept for Jesus. This is a recurring theme for him. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer, he tells them that they are to ask for their daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread, but their daily bread. This is not just Jesus' way of telling them not to be greedy and to store up from themselves, but it has everything to do with living in the present and the effect that it has for us in our trust in God. God will give you enough for today so that you can depend on him tomorrow. If he gave us more than we needed, then we would cease to depend on him. By living in the present, we are not only trusting God to provide for our needs today, but we're strengthening our trust to depend on him for tomorrow. For so long, the person that I worried about most was my mom. My mom and my dad got divorced when I was really young. And so when they first got divorced, I was really hopeful that they would end up back together, that they would get back together. But when it became clear that that wasn't going to happen, all I wanted from my mom was for her to meet someone who could love love her and care for her. I wanted her to find someone who could support her because her being a single parent and taking care of my brother and me wasn't easy. There was times where people would help out. I had my grandmother and grandfather. But for the most of the time, it was just my brother, me, and my mom. And so in the last few years, as my brother and I have gotten married and we've started our own families, it's left my mom to be alone. She's had to be by herself in her home. And so that gave me a lot of concern. That gave me a lot of fear And it would make me sad thinking that she would grow old alone. And so if I have had many conversations with my wife, Esther, I was like, "Hun, like we need to take care of my mom when she gets older because she has no one else. And so we came up with this grand plan that as when she does get older, at a certain time, we'll have her, we'll bring her into our home. And it's like a win-win, right? She gets to be with family. She gets to spend time with her grandkids. And we get to have help, babysitting help for our kids. It seemed like a perfect plan. A couple of years ago, I was actually really surprised because all of a sudden, she got engaged. Right? She didn't tell me that she was dating. She didn't tell me that she was in a relationship. All she did was show me a ring, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and so over the last couple of years, I've gotten to know 
uh, my stepfather. And at first, I really didn't know what to think about him because I had no relationship with him. I didn't know who he was. But as I've gotten to know him, I've really understood that he really is an answered prayer in my life. For the last few months, he's been actually coming over and helping uh, me renovate our home. Esther and I, we just bought a fixer-upper. And so my stepfather, he'll wake up four in the morning on a Sunday, drive three or four hours from Massachusetts, come help me for the day, and then he drives back. Right? And so the more time I've spent with him, the more time I've gotten to know him, I really have come to like him a lot. He's kind, he's generous, and most of all, he makes my mom happy. And so here I was, worried about my mom's future, making plans about her future, even though I haven't even spoken to her, and thinking that I was in control over everything when, in fact, I wasn't in control of anything. It was a reminder to me that I don't have control over everything, and I don't need to be in control of anything. God is in control. God will meet our every need. It's a reminder that all I have to do is focus on what matters, the kingdom of God, trusting that God will take care of my every need and every need that my mom has. It's a reminder that I just need to live in the present and enjoy what God is doing in her life. And that gives me more motivation and confidence to submit to him as king and just allow God to do what his will is in my mom's life. I had no reason to worry Because I thought I had to be the one to take care of her, but God provided someone better. Do not worry. This is the command that Jesus gives to you and me. We are not to worry. Even though there are so many things to worry about, and we may never ever get to a point where we're worry-free, we can make sure that we we are not overcome by our worries. Jesus says that we have no reason to fear, that we have no reason to worry because of what he has done on the cross. We have no reason to worry about our needs because he is going to be the one to take care of us. And so today, can we place our trust in God by focusing on the kingdom of God, by submitting to his authority and to live in the present? Because in Jesus, we have everything that we need. Will you bow your heads with me and pray? God, I know for many of us in this room are watching, many of us, God, we're gripped with fear. We have so many worries. We have so many concerns. This world and living in this world is not easy. It just seems like there's more and more problems. We look at the news, we look at the media, and there's so many things that are just wrong about the world. And it grips us with fear. And not only when we look at the world, but we look at our own lives and our own families and our own connections and relationships, God. And there's so much that preoccupies our minds. There's so much that we worry about. But you tell us that we should not worry That's not a sin. It's not about should or shouldn't, but that we have no reason to worry because we have a God who is not only creator of our lives, but the sustainer of our lives. And so I just pray that you would give us greater faith, that we would have greater faith to trust in you, 
that we would look back at the past and even in the present and know just how faithful and how gracious you've been to us. And that would give us more confidence to trust in you and depend on you, God, each and every day. I pray for God, anyone who feels enslaved by their worries. I pray, God, for those who feel like uh, just life is going terrible and they don't know where else to turn. I pray that they would be able to turn to you. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. You are so gracious. You are so loving. You are so kind. You are our Father in heaven. And you have given up everything for us. So may we see ourselves, God, through your eyes to know just how much you love us and how much you care for us. Would you just give us your peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. So God, as we submit the things that give us anxiety to you, as we give them up to you, God, may we just receive just more of your power, more of your authority, God, to overcome. Because God, you have told us that we are more than conquerors. So these things, they will not hold us down. But with your strength, God, we will be conquerors. I pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. At this time, if you guys could take out your communication card, there's a couple of steps I'd like to lead us through. The first commitment, the first next step, is I'm committing my life to Jesus for the first time. That's the greatest decision that you could ever make, that any of us could make to give your life to Jesus, to enter into this relationship and commitment with him. And if that's you, just check it off. And then a pastor will get back to you, will contact you with some resources. Uh, But also if you have any questions, go through uh, whatever questions that you may have about that. The second, I will be a kingdom builder by volunteering at Metro as we get back into in-person services. We've been back in-person services for the last couple of months, but as you can see, it's uh, a bridged version of it. And so in order to get back fully, we do need people to step up and to volunteer. A lot of our ministries are struggling because we don't have enough people uh, to, to step up and help out. And so may you just be convicted to sign up and, or to uh, find a ministry that you can volunteer and be part of. Third, I will share my current struggle with a friend and ask for prayer. I know right now there's a lot of people who are struggling and You know, we talk about how we can overcome our worries, and that's true, right? God has given us everything that we need. But if you're struggling today, you know, check that off. Make sure that you speak with a friend, because we're not supposed to go through this journey in life alone. God's given us community. God's given us people who care. And it's so helpful um, as we deal with our struggles and hardships. And fourth, please sign me up for the women's seminar with Pastor Kevin Butcher on Thursday, June 3rd. Um, like Pastor Peter said, there's, this is sponsored by the Women's Ministry. So if I can encourage all, every female, every woman in our church, sign up for this. You know, Pastor Kevin Butcher is a great friend of ours. He's come here to preach. He's such a great speaker. He's wise. He's insightful. You know, this is a resource for you. And so would you uh, just be convicted to sign up for that? 